You're listening to the Woman Who Chat podcast with me, your host, Sandra Garlick. A podcast where I chat to women in business who share their knowledge and top tips, especially for you. I also share my own tips to help you gain visibility fast so that you appear to be everywhere, even when you're not. I'm delighted to bring this podcast to you each week to inspire and motivate you to achieve. Enjoy the podcast. Woman Who Chat is sponsored by Grow Radio. Grow Radio is an online radio station dedicated to bringing you a different podcast on the hour, every hour. I'm proud that Woman Who Chat is played on Grow Radio every Tuesday at 3pm and Friday at 8am and to be a part of their podcasting community. If you want to listen to the station, explore their shows, check out many of the blogs to improve your podcasting skills or get your podcast onto Grow Radio, head over to growradio.uk today. Welcome to Woman Who Chat and today I'm chatting to Jay Gasol of Tax Assist Accountants from Coventry. So Jay, it's great to have you on the podcast and I'm going to ask you a little bit about your story, what you do now and then I'm going to pose a few questions to you because obviously accountants are a wealth of knowledge and I know that some of our listeners will benefit from some of your advice. So first of all, tell us what you do now. Well, firstly, Sandra, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So what I do at the moment is, so I've set up my accountancy practice back in 2020 here in the Charles Moore area of Coventry. And our primary focus is to help small to medium enterprises with all things accountancy and tax, as well as personal individuals. So yeah, so so in a nutshell, that's what I'm doing at the moment. Well, having just come out of the tax season. So yeah, just catching my breath, to be honest, at the moment. But in a nutshell, that's what we do. So at the time of recording this, we've just finished that January the 31st deadline. And, you know, if you are in business and you're doing your accounts, whether you're a sole trader or company, everybody has to file their personal tax return and pay their tax by the 31st of January. So is it still the case that people come with carrier bags full of receipts or is that long gone now? Oh, no, it's still very much the case. Just to put it into context, a week before the deadline, we had somebody literally come with a bag full of receipts and folders. And, you know, we try our best to get it digitalized and turn around, but it's more of an educational piece now. So whilst we're happy to take on the paper that comes initially, but then it's onboarding them to making tax digital and getting them on apps just to sort of make their lives easier as well and get some time back so they can do more quality and um, quality added um, tasks with their time. Now, it's interesting because I hate my accounts. I've made no secret of that. I find them a chore and, you know, I'm quite happy to hand them over to my accountant. When I had my solicitor's practice, I used to have a bookkeeper as well because there was just so many transactions. But what, you know, people start a business and then they start trading and then they suddenly think, oh, they hear from somebody, oh, I need to do my tax. How do I do that? So what's the first thing that they probably need to do when they start trading? I think depending on which entity they choose to um, trade, it's really important just to reach out and speak to any accountant just to get some advice. Like most practices like mine, we'll do an initial discovery session where we'll guide somebody and make sure that they are on the right path. It's not a come talk to us and sign up, not by any means. So if they're a sole trader, so not a limited company, then they need to register for a UTR. So then they will file their tax return accordingly via that. 
if they're a limited company, then they will have different set of dates um, that they're governed by. And that will typically depend on when they've incorporated in the year as to what those deadlines will be. So mm. it very much differs. Yeah. And, you know, I set up my business so that my, in fact, I change my dates because I love working in 90 day quarters. So mm-hmm. and that for me, that spring, summer, autumn, winter, I love starting my year, my financial year on the 1st of April. It, it aligns with the tax year somewhat. And I think psychologically, you know, it goes in those sort of January, February, March, and that's my year end. Whereas I know for my corporation tax, my year mm-hmm. end is December. So it, it sort of throws you off and then you have to pay your tax by January and some by dead December, some by January. And I've been sharing with people this month because my uh, theme is all about financials. Is mm-hmm. It's right to put some money aside, isn't it? All the money you get isn't yours. No, absolutely not. And that's a great piece of advice as well, Sandra, just to keep putting it away in a pot about 20 to 30%, depending on your income levels and how much you actually need to live off. So when you do get your tax bill, you know, you've already got that cushion, that buffer. And again, depending on how you trade, you'll have different obligations to pay. So for example, a sole trader, you may, you'll have your tax to pay, but you may also have payments on account, which impacts your cash flow. And this has caught so many people out. And you don't necessarily need to be a sole trader for this. You could be a landlord. It all just depends on where your numbers fall and if you trigger those rules. So basically what payment on account means is for some of your audience, if they don't know, you have to pay an additional 50% of your tax that's owed by the 31st of January. And then, another, and then the remaining 50% by the 31st of July. So you really need to plan and have your cash flow put to one side. And again, if you're a limited company, you'll have corporation tax and you've got nine months and one day to pay that over to HMRC after your year-end filing date. Mm. But there's no payments on account here. So it just, again, differs depending on um, your trading entity. Yeah, I love the the one day. Yes, they're very generous of them. <laughs> no, they give you that extra day. What annoys me with it with HMRC, yeah. and no offence to any HMRC employees who are li- listening, it's not personal, is that if you owe them money and you mm. don't pay it, they charge you interest. If they owe you money, it takes forever to get back and they don't give you a penny interest, do they? <laughs> it, it is. It can be quite time consuming to get it back. But if, for example, you pay your corporation tax ahead of time, then you do see some benefit of interest coming back to you. So so it, it kind of works a little bit both ways, but more so their way in their favour. And someone once told me to think of the taxman as your friend, because the more tax you pay, it means you're doing well. It means your, you know, your business turnover is good and your profit is good. If you've got to pay tax, that means you're you're doing well at, at your business. Absolutely, it's a sign of growth, and that shouldn't be looked at as a negative. So a lot of people have this negative mindset around tax, and and I think you know if tax is owed, you should pay it. But it's all about being tax efficient, making sure you're claiming for the expenses that you can claim, and you're forward planning to help with future tax. So really, it can work to your advantage as well. If, if you're on top of your numbers, but absolutely, it's a sign of growth. Yeah. Now, I'm sure that one day you weren't born into this world as, as an accountant. So <laughs> do tell us, what, what was your background? What's your backstory? And what did you want to be when you grew up? Right, it was definitely not an accountant. So I was always very unsure of what I wanted to do. I was kind of just going with the flow, if you like. So my family have always been in business. And my parents, they had a chip shop and I always used to sort of do my dad's paperwork ready for his accountant. And even at that point, I only did it because he didn't like doing paperwork. I had no passion for being an accountant. And 
as I went through university and came out the other side, so just to put it into context, my degree was computer science. And that was around the IT millennium time. And once I graduated, the bubble popped. So now it was like, what do I do now to make myself more marketable? Because IT is no longer the in thing. So I did finance because everyone's going to need a finance person at some point. And then I just accidentally fell into roles that were very analytical within a finance department. And then one thing led to another. And the I suppose the deciding factor for me to become an accountant was at the time when I was getting divorced, I had a, a young daughter. She was two years old. And I just thought to myself, I need to stabilize my finances so I can provide her a good future. So that's when I actually started studying for my SEMA when she was two. So back in 2010. Mm-hmm. And then because of my prior history with my education, I was able to get through it quite quickly because I had a lot of exemptions um, from the MBA that I'd done in finance. And then it just went from there, really, very much in the corporate world very commercial environment, so very salesy, you know, how are the numbers performing? What's the profit like? Have we hit the numbers? Very stressful environments, but I love that about it. And in particular, my role became, or wherever I worked, it was very much helping non-finance people understand their numbers and own their numbers. And that's what really lit me up when somebody actually understood it and what it meant in the bigger picture. And then over time, I just wanted to step out of the corporate world and not just be another cog amongst many others. I wanted to come out of it and help the sort of everyday business person with that kind of skill set and help them to own and manage their numbers and how they could grow their business. So, and that led me to setting up Tax Assist Accountants. And we are part of a bigger franchise. Mm. So some of your audience may be aware of us. But what that allowed me to do was just hit the floor running because the infrastructure is already there. I'm not reinventing the wheel. And there's a lot of benefits I could bring straight away to the clients that we work with. And I think that's the thing, you know, Mm. the same with solicitors practiced accountants, heavily regulated industry. And, you know, I think tax assist, from my knowledge, basically, you've got all that that back office there. Mm. You've got that compliance there. Absolutely. And you've got some way you can go to ask questions. Oh, yes, absolutely. So sometimes we'll get something that's a bit out of the box, out of the ordinary. So it's just good to have another technical expert that can assist. So I'm, for example, I'll know most things as a chartered accountant, but there will be something I've not come across. And again, the beauty of the franchise is we are held to account on our CPD. We have to attend training technical days as well, just to make sure we're keeping up to date with the changing regulations. And we can always offer the right advice to our clientele. So that's the other reason by, you know, being a part of a franchise just makes it really much more easier to help the everyday person. I'm briefly interrupting this podcast. Have you ever wondered how some people appear to be everywhere? Do you want more visibility and more clients? Are you time poor right now and want to gain visibility quickly? Then you need to attend the Let's Get Visible Visibility Bootcamp. We'll spend a whole day together where we'll map out your visibility strategy to ensure that you appear to be everywhere, even when you're not. Book your place now at womanwho.co.uk forward slash events. There are also monthly payment options available. Now back to the podcast. Just coming back to 
something you just said there. Mm-hmm. You said you're a chartered accountant. Yes. Now, there are different accountants, aren't there? And people need to be aware of this, don't they? Yes. Yeah, so anybody can call themselves an accountant, if you like. You know, they could have done their AAT and get to become a licensed accountant. Whereas chartered accountant, so I'm a SEMA qualified chartered accountant. So we have to go through a whole rigor of exams, do a professional logbook, make sure we've got three years worth of experience in all the right areas, get that signed off by an accredited organization or individual. And we constantly have to stay on top of our CPD and pay an annual membership to keep our letters. We can also get audited at any point. And a couple of years ago, I was randomly selected. So then I had to give a whole host of information to say, yes, I am up to date with my CPD and I can keep my letters. Mm. Whereas somebody who's not a qualified chartered accountant doesn't necessarily have to, to do all of that. It's not mandatory. It's up to them whether they choose to stay up to date or not. You know, and like you alluded to earlier, we are heavily regulated and it's so important that we are up to date with what's going on. Yeah. So obviously your business, you started, you said in 2020, was that mid-pandemic or pre-pandemic? No, it was almost day one of the pandemic. So it was all agreed back in 2019. So it wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. And as part of our training, we have to undergo like a six-week training program just to make sure we're fully immersed with the brand, etc. And my go-live date just happened to be the 31st of March, which is literally, I think, a week after or the week we went into lockdown. So it was very testing times at that point. But yeah, it's been very interesting. I've learned so much from that. And we're still here four years on, so we must be doing something right. (laughs) Okay, love that. that. So what motivates you? What makes you, what drives you? What makes you get out of bed in the morning? Gosh, other than my one hour drive every morning. So my real motivation is my daughter, really, fundamentally, is to be a role model to her. You know, that's what really drives me to achieve and to do better. Um, even though she's got no interest in finance whatsoever. And as said, she's not been an accountant. But it's getting to work and building a business and, and helping people. That's what I like, whether it's a simple question, you know, because a lot of people don't know a lot of things, you know, about filing tax returns or even if they need to do one. So it's just nice to be able to help somebody and put them on the right path. Mm-hmm. Um so yes, and and at the moment, this year, my big goal, what's really driving me is to set my practice up how I want it to work. So it's more automated, so we're more efficient. So, you know, the team and I, we can give that value added service to our clients and, and sort of grow the business, if you like. If we're streamlined, that will allow us to do that. So so that's really keeping me going at the start of February now that we've got out of January. So yes. Yeah, and I think it's that sort of deep breath after all mm. those tax returns, but then you go straight back onto it because the next year's cycle starts, I imagine. Yeah. Yes, but you'll be surprised at how many people will leave it till the last minute. So, you know, you do get your early birds that just like to get it done and dusted, which is great because if we talk about the self-assessments, you can file that any time after the 6th of April. Mm. You know, if you file it in May, you'll know your tax position, but you don't need to pay anything until the following 31st of January. So you've got all that time you know, to get the money together if you haven't had a chance to put it aside. So yeah, so so that's one piece of advice I'd give to your um, listeners is the sooner the better, really. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to pay when it's submitted. Yeah, and I'll share something with Mm. you. I, I made a promise to myself when I started this business that I would be a 1st of April person. So my tax year finishes on the 31st of March and I get it off my desk onto my accountant on the 1st of April. Oh, wonderful. And it's a huge sense of achievement for me, but it means they can do it during their 
downtime as it mm. were and it means that it's off my desk and onto theirs and as you say I know my tax position mm. early so I've got that time if if the money's not there or the, I haven't allocated the cash or whatever I know what my position is and I know what is mine and what isn't mine so it does make it that much clearer and yeah it is a bit of a you know finish finish the, the finances on that day and the next day but it's just something I've got into the habit of doing and it's now become a bit of a challenge with myself and it's almost I've, I, I make the promise and I think right I've got to do it now because I said yeah. but yeah I get a huge thrill sadly out of submitting my accounts on the first of April. <laughs> we get many thrills in doing that trust me um, so yeah I, I could share your joy um, but no that's great so if I can ask you, yeah. how is it that you're so efficient to get it off to your accountant? You know, you must be doing things as the year's going on to make sure you're on top of your paperwork. Yeah. And I, I you know, I've shared this before. I use a piece of software. Mm. Uh, I use free agent because okay. it comes free with my banking with NatWest. And I found it very easy to use and it remembers things. Mm. So when I come to do my month end re- reconciliation, which I don't, particularly like doing but I do and I keep on top of when I get to that month end it's remembered a lot of things so all I have to do is go down and check it and say yes you're right with that yes you're right with that and the more I input the more it remembers so it knows what's fattable what's exempt what's Mm -hmm. zero rated so it, it does that automatically and I just have to reconcile so because I'm reconciling monthly as the year goes on and dealing with any anomalies or anything that's different by the time it gets to the 31st of March, I've only got to do that month. Yeah. I haven't got to go back. So basically I do that month as, as usual and then my accountant's got to log in. I say, send this bank statements over to you. Done. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, everything's in folders. I share the folders with them for the bank statements and it, it is all done. So, yeah, I, I think it's not making it a big thing. Hmm. Yeah, and, and I think... Yeah, so yeah, tapping into it monthly, I think, is the key. Oh, brilliant! And you know, the the two key takeaways there are one, technology, which has made life so much more easier. You Mm. know, to streamline, you know, the flow of information. And and as you just said, now it's it's more mindset. You know, it's making it not a big deal. Yeah. Um, So the more you look at your numbers, the more you're on top of your numbers, the forecasting and the planning, and even the bookkeeping activities of matching transactions, the more at ease you are with those and you know because we find a lot of times people just they have that fear and sometimes the fear is far greater than mm. the spill and they're pleasantly surprised yeah. but they work themselves up with that anxiety that negative mindset that worry which not only impacts their health but it will impact their day-to-day in the business as well when it comes to making decisions so where you're on top of your numbers like you've said monthly or even quarterly you're able to make better, well-informed decisions on how to grow the business, where to maybe cut back and where to invest. So, you know, technology is, has made life so much easier for not just accountants, but for individuals as well. Yeah. And, I, you know, I will say this. I think it's very naive to think you can do your all, all your accounts yourself. I remember when I first started my first business, I had to have a very heavy duty IRIS accounting system. Yeah. It was a requirement of the SRA, whether it's the Solicitor's Regulatory Authority. So when I moved into this business, I thought, oh, I don't need all that. I can do it on a spreadsheet. I think I lasted about six weeks. And then I thought, I can't do this. And then I had to manually input all those transactions onto my software. And I think if I hadn't gone through, because I used to have a bookkeeper, I used mm-hmm. to have my account, so I didn't really touch the accounts. And I think if I hadn't gone, if I hadn't been on the NatWest Accelerator at the time 
and we one of the modules was your finances and things like that it it suddenly was this light bulb moment i can't do this on my own i need support and i think that's what especially startups need to understand is that you may think you can do it on your own but actually you need that input quite early on to know you're doing it right yeah absolutely and that's just like with anything sandra is you know, even when I started my practice, you know, going into a franchise, there's a lot of cost involved, on, especially then going into lockdown as well. So the, the income came way further down the line. But it is, OK, where can I best place my skills in order to grow my business? Who do I need to rely on, you know, in terms of coming to help me? Like for me, I, I, I don't particularly like ads. So that was one of the first areas that I, I bought somebody in. And now eventually over time, I've got the right person doing that. And then somebody who enjoys that area, they just absolutely fly with it and you don't have to worry. And you can then focus on doing what you enjoy. Like for me, it's the account sitting with the clients, you know, and this year very much going out there, growing the business. So yeah, you've really got to look into all of these areas and see what works for you and get that support from day one, practically. Yeah. So what are you, you've mentioned a little bit about what you want to achieve, but what are your goals and aspirations for the future, both for the business and personally, you know, what's the big dream? Gosh, the big dream. My big dream, if I'm being completely honest, is to just work from anywhere in the world remotely. And technology allows for that. So for me, I've spent a lot of time working whilst my daughter was young, not really appreciating the finer things in life or the quality time with my daughter. So I would like to set the practice up as much as it can be running by itself and have those efficiencies in place. So I get to just spend a little bit more time with my daughter, who's now, you know, she's 15 going on 16. So I've got her for another couple of years before she goes to uni, you know, and I I just want to spend quality time with her, whether that's just mother and daughter, day at the spa, day at the shops, or we go away. Because I just think that time will not come, well, it's definitely not going to come back. Whereas you can always make money will come, money will go. So it's just, yeah, maybe just shifting my focus a little bit and focusing more on her and technology is such that mm. you can work anywhere with an internet connection. I, I flew on a plane last year to the US and, you know, I got the Wi-Fi. I was tapping away on my computer, you know, 10 hours on a flight. You might as well yeah. just get some of your to-do list done. And I actually found that quite therapeutic, you know, that I was able to do that and tap into the mm. Wi-Fi. But you can travel. And I always say to women in business, you can have it all, just not yeah. all once you know you just have to pick the things that are right at that particular time but your story does remind me of a little bit of mine with two boys on my own and thinking what future am I going to provide for them which is why I became a solicitor and gave them that that good start but don't worry even when they leave home and go to university they come back (laughs) (laughs) so you never lose them well that's good to know reassuring yeah because at the moment she's just when I'm gone I'm gone and I'll be like I'll be right behind you First, first sign of anything, mom, honey, yeah. mom, can you help me? So you'll always be mom. <laughs> well, it's been absolutely fantastic chatting to you. I always ask my listeners, oh, sorry, always ask my guests even to leave my listeners with one uh, bit of inspiration or piece of advice or a top tip. What would yours be? Okay, so something inspirational that I came across is if you raise your self-worth, you'll raise your net worth. So, so that's the tip I'm going to give because I feel often we devalue what we do. You know, a lot of women, they will suffer from imposter syndrome. That's not to say men don't, but we will always downplay what we do. So we need to raise our own worth in order to then, you know, to gain that net worth from our customers or clients and, and just general 
the other way around. Yeah. I think that's so true. I think we do as women, we play down our strengths and we always, we've always got that person on our shoulder saying, Mm. do that. Whereas we need to think bigger and and we need to truly believe. And and that's such a valuable uh, lesson to to leave us with there. It's been fantastic speaking to you, Jay. Thank you you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Woman Who Chat podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Join me next week for more inspiration, learning and top tips. In the meantime, visit womanwho.co.uk to find out how you can start your Woman Who journey or even feature on a future podcast. You can also join the Woman Who Achieves community on Facebook. The link is in the show notes. There, you'll get the opportunity to network, find support and make new connections with over a thousand women in business. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's podcast. And if there are any topics you would like to hear, just get in touch with me, your host, Sandra Garlick.